Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of the Pacers Pod. Coming in here on a Saturday afternoon. Um, it's cold here in Indiana. I just got off of a pretty good run. Today I think I went 5.4 miles. Actually I know I went 5.4 miles. I'm not sure why I said that with a question mark. Uh, but it's cold out and Sometimes it's good. Today was one of those, it wasn't too cold. So once I got going today, it started feeling great. And that's whenever running is so fun. Whenever you're kind of out there, when everyone else is maybe thinking it's a little too chilly. And I feel that way whenever I'm just walking around. I hate the cold. But when you get out there and you run in it, there's like this thing that makes it feel um, kind of crazy and kind of like, I'm willing to fight to uh, what it would it be. I'm willing to go through a little discomfort um, for this run. So that's it. it it's a it's a catch twenty two. You know, I, I most of the time I'd rather just run in normal weather, like move to I don't know maybe like Tennessee or something where it's just like always kind of nice and mild. But anyways. So it is winter time. We're getting there. And uh, the Pacers were in action last night. So I'm recording this on Saturday, the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And last night, the Pacers were at home against the Miami Heat. And the Pacers uh, took care of business. They got the win. I think the final score ended up being like, I think if both are under 100, maybe like a 98 to 92 win or something around that that score. So it was a low, pretty low scoring game. So another good game defensively for the Pacers. That's one thing that tends to be a tr- one of their trends is um, they have good defensive numbers. Um, so the Pacers moved to nine and six. Miami falls to six and nine. The Pacers are third right now in the Eastern Conference in standing in the standings. Um, this was this was an interesting game. Um, I watched it with my wife last night, and the Pacers got off to a really bad start again. The Miami Heat ended up um, getting up by 12 points in the first quarter before Nate McMillan got to the bench unit, and then in comes Tyreek, Sabonis, Corey Joseph, um, for sure, I know. And then um, they come back. They beat, they get, they make it so they t- well first they, they take the lead and then they end up handing off the lead in the second quarter to the starters with like a twelve point advantage basically. So it was a, so the starters got down twelve and then the bench came in and went up got us got the Pacers up by twelve. So huge momentum swing. The bench unit, those Tyreek and, and Sabonis were just amazing, especially in that first stretch of the game when they came in. Um, then after half, I think the Pacers were up six or, six or eight points going into halftime, and they pretty much had control of the game all the way till the very end. The Heat got it down within three points, I think, sometime midway through the fourth quarter. And then also they got it down within three points with like a minute and a half. And then uh, Oladipo hit a three to kind of put the game back on ice and and the Pacers ended up winning. So 
you know, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty good win. A, a win's a win. Um, and the Pacers actually won a game without Oladipo being awesome. So this was the first game of the season that Oladipo struggled. He ended up with uh, eight points and I think he was two of 12 from the field or something. I mean, he shot the ball bad. He, uh, he had some turnovers. He just, Oladipo was out of it. He was kind of a non-factor this game outside of hitting that clutch three at the very end. Definitely important to, to not let that go unnoticed. He'd still hit the three pointer that put the game on ice, which we needed. Um, but he, overall, he just had, he had a rough game. Um, but the Pacers, other guys stepped up and we ended up getting a win. So that's one thing from last year where the Pacers lost every time that Oladipo didn't play. I think he missed seven games and they went 0-7. And, and um, but to see the Pacers win that game last night with with Oladipo struggling, that was a good sign for the um, overall strength of the Pacers. I'd say we know one of the, one of our biggest assets is our depth. So this is a true testament to the strength of the depth. They got to win without our best guy uh, performing, and it started with. Tyreek Evans, actually it was all three of these guys combined, but Tyreek, uh, Sabonis, and then Corey Joseph, when they came into the game, uh, they just, they completely changed the momentum of the game. They, we, they, they washed the court of the lethargic play of our starters, and they brought in like a lot of energy and crisp ball movement, intense defense, just a diff- totally different style of play. Um, and it was led like so Tyreek ended up with a 23 points. He had 10 rebounds. So that was a season high scoring for for Tyreek. And um, you know, one of the things that in the the I think the last podcast I recorded, I was talking about who's gonna be the number two for the Pacers, because it's not it's not looking like it's gonna be Miles Turner. Um, I was saying I think it should be Sabonis, and I still feel that way. Um, but seeing 23 points out of Tyreek, especially cause he was shooting the ball. Well, he wasn't doing anything too crazy. He didn't put up, a, he didn't, wasn't like he was jacking up a bunch of shots. It was a very efficient 23 points. Um, if he could somehow be consistently, you know, at least get him up to 15, 16, 17 points a game consistently, that could maybe Tyreek is the number two option. Um, because I do have a hard time seeing, so it's like, all right, Oladipo is going to average 23, 24 points. And then right now it drops all the way down to 14, um, I think, with Bogdanovich. So I think, you know, Oladipo stays at 24. And then it'd be nice to see Tyreek and Sabonis both be up over 15 points a game. But anyways, um, so that's something that maybe to look out for after this big game by Tyreek. You know, how's he feeling? Can he can he turn this into uh can he run with this for a while and, and feed off his momentum? Um, Sabonis was his running mate during this game, man, when they were just dominating, dominating the heat. Um, Sabonis had 15 points, 12 boards, three assists, 70% from the field. Once again, he's uh, he's one of the top guys in the NBA in field goal percentage, so he's just super efficient. And, you know, the 15 points, 12 rebounds, it's awesome. And plus it's just his whole demeanor out there. Sabonis is one thing that goes unnoticed sometimes is his – his ability to, to screen. So he's so good at setting screens for guys with the ball and, and creating that space. And then also just his patience underneath the basket is something that I wish Miles Turner would learn from a little bit. Sabonis just doesn't ever look, he never really looks rushed or he never, he never 
looks like he's not in control where it's just so obvious when Miles Turner gets the ball, it's like, it's almost like it's got a little, like he just feels like the immediate, like it's almost like a ticking time bomb that ball. It's like, he's like, I got to either shoot this ball real quick or pass this ball real quick or dribble this ball real quick. Like he just seems to have like, he goes into panic mode a little bit, but anyways, this isn't about Turner as much as just, you know, Sabonis has just been rock solid all year. And this is just another game, double, double. Um, I just think, you know, he could be, he, he's our number two. He's our number two guy beside him and him and him and Tyreek. So, um, and then Corey Joseph, he had another really solid game. Corey had 12 points, like five assists, only one turnover, um, the five point or five assists and one turnover. So that's like five to one turnover ratio or assist to turnover ratio, um, which is super good compared to like Darren Collison. He's like a one-to-one, like every assist he gives you, he's going to give you a turnover though um, on the back end. Um, I was thinking about this when I was running, how Corey Joseph reminds me a lot of, or my aspirations for Corey Joseph would be for him to become like George Hill, how George Hill was for the Pacers. I see them as very similar um, or I see Corey Joseph as maybe playing a very similar role to the one that George Hill played on the Pacers back when they had Paul George and David West, David West and Roy Hibbert, kind of just like uh, a guy that doesn't have to score the ball, but he's, he'll shoot the ball and score. He'll get you 12, um, 12, 14, you know, 10 to 14 points a game. And Corey Joseph's doing that pretty much already um, off the bench. You know, he's almost there already with the points and the assists, five assists, um, low turnovers. He's a good free throw shooter. Um, very, I mean, good enough three-point shooter. He's a, a good defender. Um, I just think we should, I think we should look. And, you know, the other thing is, I think they both came from, Corey Joseph used to play uh, for San Antonio. So did George Hill. I don't know if that really means anything, but like, I like Corey Joseph a lot. And I like him better than Derek Collison. He's playing better than Darren Collison. I think we should look at, you know, starting Corey Joseph. Um, because Darren Collison right now is just struggling. And last night was another example of it. He went uh, one of seven from the field. He His body language is just horrible out there. He seems like he's uh, just like defeated. And, and he kind of seems, he seems defeated. He seems just frustrated, you know? And, and I get why, like he's, He's frustrated, I'm sure, because he's not playing as well. Like he's he's way below all of his career averages this this year in in statisticals. Um, he's shooting 33% from three point line, you know, versus last year when he led the league at like 30 or 48 or 46%. You know, so he, he's not shooting the ball. Well. He's he's shooting 66 from the free throw line. You know, I know he hasn't he hasn't got to the free throw line very often. Um, Obviously, this year he started to not finish games, so Corey Joseph's getting run over him. So I get where Darren Collison is, you know, frustrated with the way he's playing, but it's like maybe this is a reason why we need to change his role. Like, as a he's Darren Collison's the oldest guy on the team. He's 31, which by no means is old. I'm sure he still thinks he's, you know, in his prime, but. When you watch Darren Collison play, one of the things that used to make him so good was how quick he was. There was a he could just get by defenders on off the dribble. Uh, he was one of the quickest guys I would think in the league. And 
he was shooting the ball better when, when he doesn't have his shot. And I don't think he's quite as quick. He doesn't seem to be, I mean, although he's getting a lot of steals, but um, yeah, you know, it's like, I just think, I think, I think Corey Joseph's in a better position to help the Pacers. And I'd like to see him start over Darren Collison and Collison can redefine his role, you know, like, okay, you're now a bench player, but it's just as important We that we, you know, as a team, if we talk about how important our bench is now, and those bench players are Sabonis and, and Tyreek and Corey Joseph, then those same starters that talk about the beauty of the bench should be willing to be a part of that bench too, I would think, because they know how important it is. And so if, I just think that's, why wouldn't you at least just try it out and see, because we just, the Pacers just keep getting getting off to horrible starts and it just it never just feels um I don't know they're just the starters just aren't quite clicking yet especially compared to how well the bench is playing so I could be wrong like for sure I don't know maybe maybe this is fine but um I just think Darren Collison coming off the bench is a lot could be a, a much bigger asset to us than he is when he's going up against the starters in this league. Uh, Boyan had a good game. He was rock solid, 16 points on good shooting. That's all we want. He's a floor. He stretches the floor um, and then just kind of tries to hold his own on defense. So Boyan was good. Miles Turner looked, he had flashes. Um, I was thinking, you know, this is a new season for Miles because it's like this, the Pacers car coming off that long layoff where, I believe it was, well, they played Sunday night in Houston, and then they had four days off because they didn't play again until Friday. And so, you know, Miles was talking, I was watching some of the interviews during during the week of practice, and, you know, he was, he seemed rejuvenated. He, he talked about his shot and how he just says he's going to have to keep shooting it. Um, he knows he's not having a very strong season, and he seems disappointed in that, but, you know, he also had high hopes, so... He got off to a pretty good start this um, last night against Miami, hitting a couple jump shots. Um, he did end up with three blocks, at 12 points, seven boards, four assists. He had a decent game, although if you look at the plus minus, he was a minus 18, <laughs> which was worst on the Pacers team. And uh, Sabonis and Tyreek, they were plus 21 in, 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 in um, plus minus. So um, with Miles, it's like, I don't know. I'm just, you just got to keep, keep playing him. He'll grow through this. I believe in miles. Um, but, um, he just needs to, you know, slow down a little bit. Uh, so Victor struggled this game, but he had the clutch shot. So kind of just in conclusion of this Miami game, you know, I think you always have to celebrate a win. So getting a win, no matter, even even though it wasn't a, a pretty game necessarily by the Pacers, a win's a win. They moved to nine and six. Um, but like for Miami, outside of jo- Josh Richardson, he had an amazing game. He had he went seven to ten from the three point line. Outside of him, the the other Miami guys didn't really have good games. I don't think Miami played that well. Um, I think if uh, if a better team was in, would, would have been 
on if, if there would if, we, if the Pacers would have played that same way against a better team, they would have lost. Um, but we got the win. We'll take it. We'll move on. Um, I just think, you know, as we progress through the season, so that was game, that would be 15. So 15 games into the season. I still think we should look at shaking up the starting lineup. I would propose a, a two-man swap. I'd like to see Corey Joseph and Sabonis start over Darren Collison and Thad Young. At least do one of them. Or, you know, I think, actually, I think you should do both. But because um, uh, right now there's just if you look out around the league um, in the Eastern Conference, the top teams in the East are just they're way they're better than the Pacers are at this point, I would say. Um, the Pacers did beat Boston, but I don't think the Pacers have reached a level of play that um, would allow them to necessarily compete against. Uh, the way that Boston could be playing now, which I'll get into a little bit later, the way Milwaukee's playing, the way Toronto's playing, and 76ers, all four of those teams are just looking really strong. I think that there's a pretty clear gap between those four teams and the Pacers at this point in the season. So we can either we can either keep doing the same thing and hope that, you know, it's still early in the season. Um, Collison will start finding a shot. Um, you know, Thad Young might start turning it up a little bit. It's it's like, it, okay, it's not, this is the other thing too. It's like Corey Joseph is playing better than you would have expected him to play. Sabonis is playing better than you would have expected him to play. Darren Collison, on the other hand, is is playing way worse than you would have expected him to play. He's he's not a big guy, so he's he's a liability a lot of the times when he's out there on the court, I think. Especially if he's if he is because he's not hitting the shots. Um, so do we roll the dice and keep keep letting him be a liability because it's like, well, we need him to hit those shots, or do we go with Corey Joseph, who we know is not going to get as hot as Darren Collison might be? Like Darren Darren Collison might, although I think that's even arguable too. I I, I don't know, especially this year. I call, Corey Joseph is just as good of a shooter as Collison. Um, but yeah, it's just basically it's like Collison's not having a very good season. And the same with Thad Young. They're, they're, it's not like those guys are having great seasons and I'm saying call for their jobs. It's, you know, it's like I just keep reiterating the fact that like the starters keep getting us in bad situations to start the games. So I think you go with the younger guys, go with the guys that are going to be on this team next year and moving forward. So Corey Joseph and, and Sabonis, hopefully they resign Corey Joseph, but. Um, uh, yeah, so that, and then just the difference between the Pacers and the rest of the Eastern conference at this point. Um, so after the game last night, I flipped on, I flipped over to the Toronto Boston game. So arguably the two best teams in the Eastern conference, even though, you know, Boston's kind of back in the standings at the moment, but, um, as far as talent, looking at it on paper, uh, you got to say Toronto and Boston are, are top two, I think. Um, so Boston's been coming on lately. They they had they started off really really slow this year, but um, they had the home game last night against Toronto. It was kind of a a jockeying for Eastern Conference dominance, I would say. I, I think the game had that kind of a vibe about it. it. The fact that it was in Boston, it wouldn't have mattered actually if it was in Toronto. Both crowds are amazing, but the the Boston crowd and granted, I tuned in. 
with about four and a half minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. So I didn't watch the majority of the game. I just caught the end of it. But the place was rocking, and, and it was a close game. So it, the game ended up going into overtime. But, like, um, it just had a the, – the game had, I think, more implications than just, like, a Tuesday night NBA game, Pacers versus Clippers or something like that. You know, just – it had the it had the feel of, of of some importance, and um, Boston ended up getting the win. Kyrie Irving was great. He ended up over forty points, eleven assists. Just really dominated the game, especially down the stretch. That's what I saw. Kyrie had, I think he ended up with nineteen points in the fourth quarter, and then um, he played well into the overtime as well. Uh, Tatum had a good game. Gordon Hayward had a good game. So. The fact that Boston beat Toronto, I think, suggests that we should keep an eye out on the Celtics now. Are they about to – could they be finding their stride? Could they start to put some pressure on um, Toronto and Milwaukee on the top of the Eastern Conference? So it's like right now I think I think Boston has the same record as the Pacers. I think they're 9-6. Um, but – it seems like Boston's sitting on jet fuel that's just got lit after this Toronto win. So we'll see, see how, see if that can get them back up into the front. Toronto's actually lost three in a row, so they're kind of coming back down to earth. But that team looks so good as well. Kawhi Leonard is a stud. He had 30 and 15 last night, um, making shots down the stretch. Him and Kyrie kept going back and forth, and Kyrie just got the best of them. But the uh, you know the Raptors have so much length. With Kawhi, uh, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Danny Green, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry. He's just no length, but he's a little bulldog out there at point guard. Um, then they bring in another Fred Van Fleet, another bulldog. Like, they just have a team with some players on it. They got guys that know how to play. And um, one thing I've noticed is Pascal Siakam is looking so good this year. Um, I didn't know what his story was, but he's actually... Uh, so this is his, in his, he's in his third season. He uh, he's from Cameroon, which is where Luke Mba Amute is from and Joel Embiid. Um, so that's pretty cool. I didn't realize that he was from that same country. I watched a doc on um, Luke Mba Luke Mba Amute, who he's 27, 28 years old. He's in the NBA. He was like his dad was like the king or something of that of Cameroon. And him and his brothers were like really into basketball as kids. And so he got in the NBA and I, I, I don't know if it was because of his, you know, father having power, um, but somehow he got the opportunity and he, so he made it into the NBA as the first, the first person from Cameroon. And um, he's, he started reaching back and starting like basketball programs and stuff in the country. And so it's like already you got Joel Embiid who, who came from that. Uh, he, that's how he was discovered from this camp. And then now Pascal Siakam as the second guy. And it's just like, man, these guys are crazy good. Like Siakam is six foot nine with a seven foot three wingspan. He's exactly what you need in, in this NBA with all this spacing and the, being able to defend the three point line and having length. Um, it makes me wonder just like how many more of these guys are there out there? It's, it, it almost seems like the doors are being um, are now completely off if as far as like guys going uh, unnoticed. So 
anybody if now if you're like at these camps right and you're like working it in Cameroon and all the kids come and you just like look around and you're like oh there's some guys here that are seven foot tall <laughs> um they at least you know they, they they're they're freak athletes um let's teach them how to play the game and they have so much work ethic and you know it's like crazy um and this goes on all over the world and that's what's one of the one of the really cool things about the nba is that it's a it's comprised of the best players around the globe and it's becoming more popular around the globe so more and more there's more and more high level talent coming out of other countries So it's like the talent pool is just, it's crazy right now. And these, and these guys from other countries are, are like revolutionizing players. Like Giannis is insane. Joel Embiid, he's, you know, top four in, in, in MVP votes right now. And then you got like Porzingis, like all the Luka Doncic, all these guys that are coming from overseas um, or just out or from Canada, even, you know, just international game. It's, it's awesome. And so what else here? Oh yeah. So that, so I think, you know, Boston look out for them moving forward here. Toronto's good. Milwaukee's playing great. Giannis is having an amazing season. The new coach, uh, Budenholt, Mike Budenheiser, I think that was his name. You know, he's, he's got the, he's got the Bucks shooting a lot of threes. I think they're 11 and four or 12 and four. Um, Looking great. I watched them play the Bulls last night. They were down 22 points, I believe. Chicago had them down. And then Milwaukee flipped the script at halftime and then ended up beating the Bulls by over 20. It was one of the most lopsided or like um, craziest lopsided games in NBA history. I remember them talking about. And then the other team to worry about right now is the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, I mentioned Joel Embiid a little bit, um, being a top four MVP guy right now. Um, they've still have Ben Simmons and they added Jimmy Butler via trade. That's going to be a problem, man. If, if, if Philadelphia can get it together, that's a tough, tough team. And, um, I don't know. I just think the Pacers have work to do. I, I think we, I think we've got some serious strides that we need to make before we can think that we can contend with those other four teams. We're winning games. We're staying right in it, um, which is important. It's a long season. But now's the time. Now's the time. Make a change. Um, you know, take a chance. Let's see, like, what, what's the worst? Are we a team that would just crumble if, like, would Darren Collison not be able to play anymore? If, if he didn't get to start, would he would he be done? Uh, what about Thad Young? Would he, would he be done? Would we lose those guys for the season? Are they not, they can't play on this team unless they're starters? I mean... At some point, what does Sabonis have to do to get a start? Is, does he, is he, or does he say he doesn't want to be a starter? You know, it's, it's just, it's crazy. You got to start the guy. He's our, he, he's by far our second best player, and and he's not starting. So, got to figure that out there, coach. Um, <laughs> look at me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nate McMillan, if you were ever were to hear me say that. Uh, I'm, I'm just an idiot. So. Um, let's see. Oh, there was some, some good stuff happening with some of the guys on the Pacers team that we're not seeing play. Um, 
Alizé Johnson, Edmund Sumner, uh, Ben Moore, some of those guys that were on the back end of the roster that are making their, they're getting some run with the Fort Wayne Mountains. And uh, they're playing really well. Alizé Johnson, he's averaging 22 points and 12 rebounds. Sumner's averaging 24 points a game. Um, being as close as I am to Fort Wayne, I actually got to go check out a game last weekend where Alizé had 20 points, 13 boards, I think, and Sumner had over 20. And uh, they're looking good. And it's it's one of the cool things about the G League um, is that these guys get to, get to play and they get to build confidence and they get to work on their games. And that's the thing that I wish kind of, I kind of wish Aaron Holiday would be playing too, you know? Because um, I just can't imagine it's good to be, I guess, unless you're just getting a bunch of run in practice. Maybe they practice enough that, you know, uh, it's not worth having them down in the G League. But anyways, that's just one of the things that's kind of cool. Um, it, was, it was awesome. I went with my friend and uh, $25 gets you fourth row, fourth row seats to the Mad Ants. So we had amazing seats. And uh, we got to see, let's see, what was the team? Oh, it was like, I think it was maybe the Erie City Bayhawks that we were playing. But they had Terrence Jones, the old Kentucky guy that played, I don't know, man, five, seven to ten years, I think, probably in the NBA. Or maybe it was more like five to seven years in the NBA. But Terrence Jones was there. Terrence Jones was balling. He had 30 points. And I know he had over 10 boards. But, uh but yeah, so that's just what's going on in the G League. Look out for Sumner and Alizé. They're getting some good, some good, uh, some good exposure right now. Um, next up for the Pacers tonight. This, since I'm recording this on a Saturday, they're playing. They got a home game against Atlanta Hawks. Um, Hawks are in the bottom of the league. I think the Hawks are three and twelve. They need to get beat tonight badly by the Pacers. And I'd like to see Victor have a nice bounce back game. And, and this would be a great team to do it against. Let's just beat the Hawks mercilessly. Um, don't let this be even a close game at all. Right off the start. Like, let's not have to wait for the bench to come in and change it around. Let's just punch the Hawks. Or what should we do? Shoot the Hawks. <laughs> Shoot the Hawks. Um, dead in the first quarter. And let's see Old Depot have a good game, too. Or surprise me and change the starting lineup. That'd be awesome. Um, and then next week with Thanksgiving, I'm going to be going down to Kentucky with my wife's fit for my wife's family gathering. And, uh, you know, Thanksgiving's a cool time. It's a good, it's a good time to be reminded of, of how good it feels to have people that love you and care about you at least enough to come and have dinner with you and and recognize that you know you guys are a family um so i, I know that's something that not everybody has and so i it, i don't take it for granted that that i get an invite and that um you know there's people that love each other there it, it's a good place to be so don't take your families for granted <laughs> Um, and then the last thing is just like one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about these days 
and that I'm trying to accomplish uh, is the fact that I'm trying to get better, or I'm trying to keep getting better at controlling my own actions and thoughts. And so basically what that means is I know what I want to do. Like I like let's say I want to eat well, I want to I want to work out, I want to be a healthy um, body, mind, spirit, the whole thing. I want to be good at my relationships and I want to, you know, all all these different ideals that that I can set for myself. Um, and for the most part, I know how to do that. It's like, if you, if you want to eat healthy, it's like, well, I know what that means. I need to buy healthy food, prepare to eat healthy food, eliminate non-healthy food. Um, but it's just not that easy for whatever reason, even though I know that's, that's what I would like to do and what's best for me long-term, but, uh, it's just not that easy to do. So I'm just trying to keep fighting that resistance, you know, and, and trying to get the person that I want to be, have that be what's showing the more times than not. And and so just keep fighting that fight. Um, yeah, that's all I got. And let's see, we got, so nine and six, the Hawks tonight, that should be a win, 10 and six. Then Utah is on Monday, another home game. So 10 and 6 with Utah coming to town. Um, I'll probably hop on here tomorrow after I watch the Hawks game. I'm not going to be watching it tonight. I've got a date. Um, got a little global date tonight. And so uh, won't be watching those Pacers. Have to watch them tomorrow morning. But uh, all right. Hope everybody has a good night, good life. And uh, I'll talk to you all later. Peace.